Welcome to Pushing Forward with Alicia, a podcast that gives disability a voice. Each week, we will explore topics like confidence, ambition, resilience, and finding success against all odds. We are creating a collective community that believes that all things are possible for all people. Open hearts, clear paths, let's go. Welcome back to Pushing Forward with Alicia. I'm Alicia Anderson. It is Congenital Heart Defect Awareness Week. My family, my twin sister, Regina, and her husband, Shane, they are man and wife. And I am so happy that they are on to share a little bit about their personal story. And before we jump in, because I have a slew of questions, I saw a quote right before we started. And it was from a gentleman named Jeff Hood. And it was the strongest hearts have the most scars. And I thought that was amazing. I know. Tears to my my eyes. Shane Weinstein is my amazing brother-in-law. And he is making his debut on the podcast. Shane, welcome. A special welcome to you. Thank you, too, for your time. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Yeah, yeah. I think we should start with, if you don't mind, laying down a little framework. Can you share a little bit about your personal journey as a mom and dad with congenital heart defect and how that's entered your lives? Sure. I'll I'll jump in. It entered our lives almost seven years ago, actually around seven years ago. Shane and I have been on a very strenuous, exhausting, difficult birth story, uh, trying our hardest to find that path to family. And we were blessed with this pregnancy of our daughter and so excited that it had come to life finally. And because I had had some complications and issues with pregnancy prior, we had, I was being monitored very closely. And so at 12 weeks pregnant, we went in for a fetal echocardiogram anticipating the quote unquote news of normal or everything is looking good or we are on track and not receiving that news. And that was difficult to accept or hear or acknowledge or just, I don't know, just absorb. Um, What was the news? The news was our amazing health care providers through UCSF, which have done tremendous work for us had told us that, brought us into a conference room, sat us down, and they clearly had a look on their face like they had something they needed to tell us. And they told us that our daughter, we didn't know she was a girl at the time, but our baby had the diagnosis of Tetralogy of Fallot, um, which is a pretty common, commonly known congenital heart defect. And we didn't know what that meant. I didn't even know how to pronounce it. I didn't know how to say it. I didn't know how to believe it. And the first thing I thought was, get me out of here. I don't want to listen to this and I need a second opinion. But UCSF is a second opinion place. And so what we did was just take a deep breath and try to get more information. So it was early in our journey is my point. Very, very early. And Shane, what were your initial emotions, thoughts to this news delivered? to both of you? Uh, it, it's a great question because I don't, I don't think at the time we knew how to think. It's a very, very sobering reality 
um, for people who are completely oblivious to what the word means, let alone how it's going to affect your life for the rest of your life, to be very honest with you. So, I mean, when you, when they say you have tetralogy of flow, I mean, you, you could have told me that she was going to be born with something else and I would have believed you. I didn't know what it meant. But what I can say is, as Regina spoke about, our journey didn't start there. Our journey started with multiple miscarriages previous to that. So the desire and the want that I knew that was in our hearts to, to make this happen, and this was the last time, that to be hit with this type of news was, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know whether to cry. I didn't, I didn't know whether to be mad. I didn't know what was going on. And so it took a little while to calm your nerves and start listening to people who are the professionals. That's what we've had to learn o- over time is you need to put your trust in, in the people that know exactly what they're doing because you're going to learn all of this, but you're going to learn on the fly. And, and they already knew all of this stuff. So being called into a back room is never a good feeling. I can tell you that right now. Being called into a room where there's 10 you know, medical professionals and you're wondering what they're about to tell you, it, it, it isn't a good feeling. But it was a feeling that I think that we were more prepared for maybe than other couples, simply because we had already been through some pretty serious tragedy previous to to this. So um, to answer your question, I didn't know how to take it, but but it was it was very quick that I understood that we we were going to figure this out together. And I also heard you say, which I think is probably really good advice for any other parents that are out there, as scary as that a diagnosis might be. Take a deep breath, lean in on the professionals, the teams that are surrounding you, and maybe navigate slowly in understanding it's going to be a tough process. Are there any other advice that you can give parents that get that like sobering news right then and there? You know, it, it sounds everybody's going to tell you this. You just put one foot in front of the other. You put one you put one leg in your pants at a time like everybody else does. Uh, to put things into perspective, we we had already had a child that didn't have a, a life sustaining, a, a, you know, heart condition. It, it wasn't life sustaining. We had to we had to cancel that um, that pregnancy. But in front of us, you just have to, like I said, you got to listen to them. And when they tell you what you're not expecting is for them to say this could be a normal lifespan with modern medicine. This could be nothing very soon. Told us Sean White had it. Sean White was an Olympic champion. Mm. So you really don't know in the beginning. You, you, you think the worst. You lean on the people that, you, that, that know what they're talking about. And all of a sudden, you start to build these relationships with people who are now becoming your friends, who are, who are cardiologists at UCSF that are magicians. But now those are part of your family. It's all trust in the people. You have to put trust in them. And you have to do your due diligence in investigating what is going on. And I couldn't tell you from that point on how many medical journals that I had read. I couldn't tell you how Tetralogy of Fallot was spelled, but I could tell you that I knew exactly what it was because I put so much effort into that. So you just got to trust those people. You got to lean in on them. And and it's for you to kind of say, all right, we're going to do this together. Because that's really the only option that you have, because that baby in there is trusting that you're going to put that effort in. 
No. Modern medicine is powerful today. And I love it that you mentioned that and leaning in on these magicians, these doctors, these magic men. And I think for any parents out there with kids with any type of challenge, disability, defect, that's a, a lesson that, that can resonate really far. So I think that's really powerful. How common is this? Congenital heart defect is the most common birth defect with children in the United States. Um, there's like 40,000 kids, approximately babies born with these um, different types of disorders annually. And modern medicine has taken some insane leaps and bounds on ways to tackle, address and repair and monitor these problems over time and over lifespans. The majority of them never go away, but it's a management plan. And like Shane said, having the right people in play, you have the right visibility of next steps. And those are all things that we have to do proactively to make sure that these little potential changes that we need to make in you know, the health of our daughter are occurring at the right time. Um, that's also not just physically, but also mentally, and that we're taking the right precautions so that we don't allow things to get too far down the line before it comes could become something that could be detrimental to her health, her health long-term. And these medical professionals have, in our case, have gotten every single diagnosis from 12 weeks pregnant to, you know, right before Christmas, we receive news of our next step. And it's, it's just all of it is, um, tends to be right on point. They just haven't missed a beat. They've gotten it all right. So this is a common thing. There's a lot of families out there who have been exposed to different types of heart defects, whether that's a hole in your heart, which is really common, sometimes closes and heals itself to some of the most severe cases where you have to literally rebuild, rebuild the heart to function in different ways because the body just did not build it, build it as it traditionally does when the baby was in womb. You're listening to Pushing Forward with Alicia, and we will be right back. If you're an employer looking to motivate and inspire your team through the power of diversity and inclusion and learn more about disability inclusion in the workplace and how to include disability into your DEI efforts, please check out my keynote speech offerings on aliciaanderson.com. That's A-L-Y-C-I-A Anderson with an O.com. Click on speaking. Welcome back to Pushing Forward with Alicia. I'm Alicia Anderson. It is Congenital Heart Defect Awareness Week. My twin sister, Regina, and her husband, Shane. I am so happy that they are on to share a little bit about their personal story. Can we talk about as much as you're comfortable with, like... Ella has had to fight, prove, overcome a lot of milestones. Like what have been some of the significant milestones that she's she's had to collect collectively with y'all and her team kind of had to fight, prove and overcome? Because um, you just mentioned one, like there's another surgery coming up. Um, yep. We were told when I was pregnant and along through the pregnancy that um, her case was critical, but less severe than some. She was considered a pink baby versus a blue baby. Some babies are born blue. They can't, they don't have the oxygenation that they need and they go directly into surgery right away. Ella did come out a pink baby. Um, she thrived um, on her own until she was about uh, three months, which was very close to when we had decided to start planning for the first open heart surgery. 
And um, she started showing us signs that she needed the surgery a little sooner. She was, um, you know, turning blue, kind of gray, uh, her hands and her limbs. And so we did go into action sooner than we expected, but not much. But in still in that circumstance, you know, we were not critical. We were a case. We were in the hospital and they kept us in the hospital, but they had much, you know, more critical cases going on around us. And we kind of were in a holding pattern until the doctor had the time to work us into the schedule due to severity. So they did, they did a handful of repairs at that time, um, including some valve work. She had, I guess you could consider what Shane, right? Like a hole in the heart type of situation where they had to close up her ventricles, if I'm saying that correctly. And we went home and she thrived and she ate and she grew and she was great. And, you know, she was a little delayed in certain things associated to like traditional child um, development, crawling. She did differently, um, rolling over. She didn't have the benefit of that as uh, most children do. You know, so there's certain things that were a little bit different for us, but she thrived. You know, she was like three months open heart surgery. And that was powerful to watch her power and navigating and being as resilient as she was as that little tiny infant. And I remember how scary it was for all of us, specifically you two. And I remember a moment in the hospital that was so beautiful where she was turning blue, all the nurses ran in and you and Shane were just like arm in arm among this team of really angels that were you know, caring for her and saving her and taking care of her and healing her. And I think an important note, at least from my perspective, is sharing how important it's been and beautiful it's been for you two as her parents to be arm in arm in this like advocacy and walking through this path that has been very scary (laughs) at times. That particular experience, like people, you're in the hospital and you hear code white code blue, code red. She coded. She was not breathing. She was purple. She, it, it was announcing all through the hospitals. The teams ran in from every avenue of the care, you know, the entire care team ran in. Um, And yeah, that was terrible. And the only thing that Shane and I could do was hold each other. And it hasn't always been easy. It's not easy as a couple going through some of these things, you know, we've had to like really work hard to support each other, love each other, maintain our relationship because there is a lot of stress involved in it, but it is also very temporary. The stress, the pain, the the fear, it's temporary. And these kids are so resilient and they really do. The way that she's bounced back from these very, very difficult experiences have been, it's mind blowing. We struggle more than she does emotionally and I mean, physically, yes, she's going through it, but the buildup and the aftermath and those pieces are, are very hard on an adult versus a child. Let's be, first of all, shout out to the uh, UCSF nurses out there. I'm I'm really just going to tell you right now, they they run the place. I I, I, I love doctors and I love our cardiologists. They're the the best people in the world. But if you want to talk about who runs those hospitals, it's the nurses. But let's be kind of real here. You know, a a very good example has been her aunt, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Not only that, but her twin sister who lived that life with her aunt was prepared more than a lot of other people were because 
Regina was part of Alicia's journey. And so whether that's ingrained in them because the blood of the Basiglios was in there <laughs> or, or just because it was a learned thing, she may be a little bit more resilient because of it. And, and, and you know, as Regina said, nobody's really prepared for it, but they don't know what's going on. They have they, they have no idea what's going on. And as the years kind of go by, it was very difficult in the beginning. You know, there were there were times in that hospital when when we weren't seeing eye to eye because we weren't experienced in what's going on. We, 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 we weren't knowledgeable in what we had to be. We didn't have our emotions in check because it was all emotional. But as the years kind of go on and that baby that was supposed to be tiny because they're a heart baby is not tiny. And that baby who isn't supposed to be running around and acting the fool all the time is not supposed to be doing that. But she is. They show you things that you're not ready for, just like you weren't ready for the diagnosis. But what they're also showing us is how awesome that can be and how different from what the doctors say is going to happen or possibly would happen. That doesn't mean it's going to because she's kind of defied all of those odds. So whether that's a learned behavior, whether that's in your blood, or whether that's something that you have to learn, it's a part of your life. And Regina and I have learned to embrace that rather than it being a stressor. Now, I can't say that when we go in for this next thing that we have going on here, that there's not going to be times, but, but because this is going to be number three, we can handle that a little bit better. And, and, and we know that that's that our job is to be calm and to be healing and to be loving and to be all of those things that she needs during a very, very difficult time in her life. She is proving what is possible and that she's resilient and her strength and in overcoming and all of that. She's seven years old right now. Like, can you see aspects of her personality that she shows today that potentially are from this. I think you see it. I think you see yeah. it right now. She goes and she goes, she'll go tell people she's a heart warrior. She knows that. She knows what she's been through. But just like you, Alicia, she doesn't get treated any different. Yeah. You start treating them differently, they're going to feel like they're different. She's special. She's special, but she's no different than anybody else. She just has to have a couple interventions with her body than, than a normal kid does. But she has best friends. She runs. She does all of those things that normal babies do. Um, and her expectation is that she's going to get treated the same. That's the type of person that she is. And we're going to raise her to be that type of person because she she has her own. She's on her own now. She's it. it you know, she has her attitude. She has the things that that she loves and she has the things that she doesn't necessarily love. But but there's a constant there that this is a part of you. This will always be a part of us. And we're going to master all of these things together. So deeper roots, stronger branches. And uh, she is she's she's kind of the center of all of that. She makes the heartbeat tick. Deeper roots, stronger branches, and she makes the heartbeat tick. One other thing that you just said that is probably very useful for parents out there that might be embarking on this type of journey is the honesty about the there's been no hiding and this is your path. You know, you dress her up when she goes to see the heart doctor and we're excited to be in hearts. And she knows that you, you share with her what has happened in the past and what the future looks like. And is there any advice that you can give, at least from your own personal perspective to other parents out there that might be afraid to share the journey with their little one? Do they, do they not? Do they, how do you talk about it? Like, is there any advice there? Yeah, I, listen, listen, you must embrace it. It's going to be around forever. Okay, so how do you do those things? 
with one of the most beautiful things that I had ever seen. My mother had open heart surgery previous to Ella being born. So she had already had a scar on her chest. When Ella was born and we got done with the, with the open heart surgery, that scar was beautiful. It was from day one, that scar was cool. That scar was beautiful. That scar was everything other than ugly, unnecessary, uh, whatever it is. And when you, when you grow that person to feel like their disability or her, what she has wrong with her is powerful. She's just like everybody else and probably a little bit more special because they know that they've been in, they've been through that already. Having that, you know, having my mother, it really showed me, it, it taught me something that day that these kids are going to eat what you're going to give them. They're going to be the sponge that you kind of want them to be. But as long as you let them know that this is not a negative, this is not a negative in any way, shape or form. We're going to make this happen and we're going to learn from all of this stuff and we're going to be better for it. Right. But that scar is beautiful. And she still says it to this day. And I still make sure that every day I'm putting cream on that scar after her shower, that we talk about it, that we talk about the beauty, that we talk about how awesome she is. Mm. It's very, very, very important for them as they grow. She refers to it as her beautiful scar. If she has a, you know, if we're swimming with friends and you see kids looking, they want to touch it. What is that? And she says, I'm a heart warrior. That's my beautiful scar. Mm. So she knows it's her power. She knows it's her, you know, big part of her purpose. And I think she picked us, picked this because she's got the strength to handle it. And I think it's very similar to what I've observed with you, Alicia, throughout our lives together, which is like how, however we get here and whatever that journey looks like, I just think there's something really associated to choosing it because you can handle it because, and it's the same thing for me, like Shane mentioned, you know, I'm, I've always kind of been the sideline person, the supporting person, the wait for the clock to tick while the surgery is going on. Thank God and pray for every ounce in my being that everything is going to go exactly how they say. And, you know, there's going to be just everything's going to be good. And I've done so much of that in my life. And that's my role, you know, it's clearly my role. And I wouldn't change it. You know, like, I just wouldn't change it. I wouldn't change her. I wouldn't change this journey. I wouldn't change the steps, the the challenges, the, the, the fear, just any of it. It's all part of her. And she's a very, very amazing person. So, um, yeah, it's my honor to be her mom. And she's the strongest, most loving heart. So she must have the most scars. <laughs> I love it. As we wrap up. Did we miss anything that you think is important to know? I just think like one of the things that we had talked about was, you know, for families out there that are going through some of these things and new to these experiences, you know, there's so many um, resources and groups and social media that you can lean in on, on and ask questions to. And, you know, there's the American Heart Association and the Mended Hearts Association. And there's things, there's, there's resources out there to help you understand and better understand the diagnosis and the, the clear future, a path to the future. And we're not alone. This is a big, broad disease that affects a lot of people. And we just all got to lean in and lean in on each other. Community. Yes. Build the community around you and read, research, well, happy congenital heart defect awareness week to my two favorite parents of the journey and all of the rest that are out there. We end the show every time with a pushing forward moment. This is the time you are both. We're going to have two pushing forward moments. 
Shane, this is your very first pushing for a moment. Make it good. So not all bad news is everybody's bad news. Okay. You got to start living that life. And simply because you have a hiccup does not mean that later on you're going to be better off for it. I'm a better person because of what we've had to deal with. I'm a better father. I know Regina is. I know I'm more patient. I know that there's a lot of things that came of what was supposedly a bad situation. It isn't a bad situation. We have a fantastic daughter with a very, very strong heart that needs a little checkup every once in a while. But the ramifications from what came of what was supposed to be a bad thing only turned out a multitude of great things. Simply because somebody's going to give you their bad news does not mean it's going to be your bad news. I love that. That's a tough one to beat, Reg. That's pretty really good. Um, for me, all I can say is that filling life with gratitude for what you've been given and in these situations associated to challenges or things that feel complex turn it into beauty. Like that's what we've done. And don't hide it. The more we talk about it, the more we normalize it. And the more that we make it part of Ella's DNA and the people around her, her DNA, her school celebrates congenital heart defect week, things like that, make it a forward thinking thing, make it something that's not hidden so that we try to erase some of the things associated to fear of being different or something that's something about me that's not like everybody else. Just have an open mind, just share your stories, lead with love and honesty and openness. Well, I thank you both for inviting me on this journey with our sweet little Ella, because it's been the absolute joy of my life. There's no one that I love more. So thank you so much for doing this. This was such a beautiful conversation. Hey. Thanks for your time. Shane, we're going to have you back on to talk about other things. And um, I, love you. I love you too. I love you, Reg. I'm proud of both of you. And thank you so much to our Pushing Forward with Alicia community. This has been Pushing Forward with Alicia, and that is how I roll on this podcast. If you're an employer looking to motivate and inspire your team through the power of diversity and inclusion and learn more about disability inclusion in the workplace and how to include disability into your DEI efforts, please check out my keynote speech offerings on aliciaanderson.com. That's A-L-Y-C-I-A Anderson with an O dot com. Click on speaking.